Melissa King is a San Francisco chef raised in Southern California, and she won season 17 of Top Chef, consistently impressing judges with her California and Asian-inspired cuisine. Melissa, you are Top Chef! A maverick chef, she's had more challenge wins than any other competitor in Top Chef history, and she graduated from UCI in 2005, spending her years on campus sharpening her skills by cooking for her roommates. From the University of California, Irvine, I'm Aaron Orlowski, and you're listening to the UCI Podcast. Melissa is with me today on the UCI Podcast to discuss her experience on Top Chef, her unique cooking style, and her tips for cooking as a college student. Melissa, thank you for joining me today on the UCI podcast. Hi, how are you? Take us back to that moment uh, in Top Chef when you were announced as the all-star winner. You were standing in front of the judges uh, with two of the other contestants and Padma Lakshmi says your name. What happened next? Uh, I think I just cried a lot. (laughs) Um, I mean, it's just, it's such an overwhelming feeling you feel all the feels, uh, you know, just the whole, I felt like the whole experience and the journey of Top Chef was sort of like flashing through my head. Um, but yeah, it was extremely overwhelming. And I was just, I felt so proud of myself in that moment. Were you confident when she said your name that you were the winner or were, did you think that maybe? <laughs> I remember, um, cause she said my name she was like, Melissa. And then she like looked really sad <laughs> And I was like, oh, no, she's going to kick me off. <laughs> so you just you never know in that moment which way it's going to go. And I know, uh, you know, Brian and Steph had produced incredible food that day. And all of us felt very proud of what we accomplished. So it could have gone anyway. Well, and then for that final meal uh, and that final dessert, I saw that you cooked a or you prepared a Hong Kong milk tea tiramisu and uh, it brought one of the judges to tears. Can you tell us some more about that recipe? Is that something you make often or was that uh, a new recipe for you? It, it was a new recipe for me. Um, I had thought about, you know, how can I marry a, a really traditional Italian dessert, but kind of bring in a little bit of these Asian flavors, especially flavors that I grew up on. So my family's from Hong Kong. Um, you know, they drink Hong Kong milk tea every morning. And I don't know, I just thought, you know, coffee is in this, like, why don't we just switch it to tea? Um, and then I also had found a lot of inspiration from like, just like those bubble tea places with boba. And you know how they have like the milk, uh, they have the milk teas that have like a mascarpone cheese foam on top. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know, it kind of just all like blended together in my head. And I was like, let's, let's give this a try. But it was incredible to see um, Dario's reaction. I, I had actually not seen it until the, thir- until the episode on Thursday when it, when it was live, um, just exactly how much it moved him. So that, that whole moment brought me to tears. Wow. So is that something, um, that you do frequently is, is kind of improvise for the, the recipes that you're producing um, or that you were producing for the show? Yeah. You know, everything I make on the show, I've never made before in its entirety. Um, I've made like 
pieces of it, maybe the like the fish sauce caramel I've done before, but I've never paired it with, you know, wood roasted cabbage. Um, so yeah, a lot of it was just kind of improvising with what was available to me, especially when once we got to Italy um, and just finding inspiration from, from the markets and, and letting the market guide my menu. Well, you grew up here in Southern California and you mentioned that um, your family has milk tea every morning uh, and you started cooking at a very young age. So how did this region shape your cooking style? Yeah, you know, I grew up um, specifically in Hacienda Heights and the San Gabriel Valley, um, which is a very Chinese uh, populated community or suburb of Los Angeles. And it very much shaped my childhood and the flavors that I grew up on. Um, but I don't think until like a few years ago, I, I actually thought to marry the two and, and with my own career and, and things I was learning um, in Michelin star kitchens. So I think my, my mission and my goal for this season was to really show my story and tell my story through my food about the places I've been and who I am as a Chinese American. Were there any, uh, you know, particular moments during the show when you felt like you were really able to do that? Maybe any particular, you know, recipes, um, you know, that really exemplified that identity? Um, certainly the, the finale menu was very much rooted in, in that mission. Um, I know we were given four, you know, you could do four recipes or four dishes and it could be anything you want. Uh, typically as you move through the show, there's a bit of guidelines, you know, you have to cook with prosciutto or you have to cook with Parmesan. Um, but in that moment, I was able to really curate a menu that felt a hundred percent like me and very true to my style of cooking and true to my culture and who I am. And it was the most important menu of the season. Yeah. I mean, they always say it's the meal. You're going to cook the meal of your life. <laughs> Well, so, you know, the season was set in L.A., um, you know, and you were in season 12 as well, and that was set in Boston. Did the Los Angeles setting give you an advantage? Did you feel like you, um, you know, were able to leverage that? You know, I, I did feel comfortable here. There was, a, yeah, there was a sense of comfort because, you know, we we had gone to like the Getty Museum, which was my first kitchen job when I was 17, um, but I had never come back here as like a chef or as a, in the, in the place that I am today in my career. Um, and so even exploring the farmer's markets and, and being able to cook, you know, with the Santa Monica farmer's market ingredients that felt new to me. So, um, I was exploring it just as much as everybody else. Um, because I, I currently live in, I've been living in San Francisco for the past like 11 years. <laughs> Well, and then before San Francisco and before culinary school, you were at UCI and you graduated from UCI in 2005 with a degree in cognitive science. So were you cooking at that time while you were at UCI? I was, yeah. So uh, summer breaks, winter breaks, I would work at the Getty and um, head that direction. And I was working, I started as a pastry assistant when I was 17, but I kind of worked my way into the savory side of the kitchen. And I remember I was leading the catering department. And did you, you know, were you cooking it all uh, kind of off the books or for your classmates at all or anything like that? 
Oh, all the time. My roommates like were very spoiled by me (laughs) (laughs) and they were all on like the hip hop dance teams. And like, you see them on, some of them went on to do those TV shows, um, with the dancing cultures and dance crews, but I didn't know how to dance, but I knew how to cook. So I fed everybody on those teams and, and it was so much fun. (laughs) Well, I'm guessing that you've, you know, grown a lot as a cook and a chef since then, but have you grown as a dancer since then? <laughs> um, I, I don't know about that one. <laughs> okay. A little rusty still. Okay. So this, uh, and, and like I mentioned, you, you studied cognitive science at UCI. Um, so where do you think that cognitive science intersects with being a chef? Yeah, you know, I mean, I had chose cognitive science because I was always interested at an early age in biology, um, anything science related. I, I felt my brain just works that way. And food and, and science actually very much go hand in hand and are very similar. Um, but if we're talking specifically cognitive science, which is a little more psychology based neurology or neuroscience, um, I think, you know, it, it comes in handy in a kitchen, to be honest, when I'm around so many types of personalities, um, especially, you know, top chef scenarios, <laughs> when a lot of it is psychology and, and being able to um, understand and adapt to people's uh, personalities um, and perspectives. So I feel that that's kind of where it's come in handy. Navigating the the different interpersonal dynamics. Exactly. Well, so one of the the amazing things from the season was that you also won the fan award, the fan favorite award, and uh, you're donating that money, that prize money to some charities. Can you tell us a bit more about what those charities are and why you've chosen to donate to them? Yeah, you know, I just felt, um, you know, with everything that's been happening with Black Lives Matter, um, I just, it really hit me hard and I felt, you know, I need to be a better human. I need to be doing more. And so when the fan favorite competition started, I decided if I win and if I get the help of others to help me win, I want to donate this. And so amazingly enough, um, I did win and I'm so grateful for that. And so I'll be donating to um, the Black Visions Collective, um, Asian Americans for Equality, the Asian Youth Center in Los Angeles, and also the Trevor Project. Um, And each of those organizations, I feel... I, it just kind of hits home to me. You know, I wanted to support Black Lives Matter, but I also wanted to support Asian Americans right now, especially during COVID and in times of, you know, we, we've been seeing, or I know that I've been seeing anti-Asian uh, racism happening. And then it's Pride Month. And so I really want to celebrate my LGBTQ community and, and give back there. So the Trevor Project Um, is a national organization that provides um, suicide prevention and crisis support for LGBTQ youths. Um, So yeah, I really felt like if I'm going to help out, this is the way that I want to do it. And so, yeah, I'm really grateful. And then uh, with the the prize money from the main competition, um, you were planning, I think, to invest that in a restaurant, um, but the coronavirus has... I'm assuming change things a lot. Um, what are your plans with that? Yeah, you know, things have shifted and um, 
I think goals and priorities have changed as well for everyone. And so I'm, I'm actually, I felt very inspired throughout quarantine and um, it motivated me to create a small batch sauce line and it, it kind of took off and I've been selling it on my website on chefmelissaking.com. And um, I started thinking like, I should be investing my money into this and like really, um, uh, you know, bring it to a larger scale and be able to bring my food to everyone. Um, so I think I'll be investing in that project. Um, and I don't know, a couple other things are happening, are brewing. <laughs> so what, what are the flavors for the sauce line? Ooh, so I have four skews. Um, I have a Sichuan chili sauce, which kind of goes on everything. It's not too spicy, but you know, has a lot of really deep flavors. Um, and then I have a fish sauce caramel which I had done on the show. And that is great for just like grilling or grilled items and just to like lacquer some grilled chicken wings or ribs with. Um, and then I have a mala chili oil, which is a bit more on the spicier end and it makes your tongue numb. <laughs> it's really <laughs> that sort of Szechuan peppercorn numbing quality to it. And then last but not least is the exo sauce. And um, that's sort of like this umami bomb of, dried scallops and dried shrimp flavors in your mouth. But all of the sauces I had created on Top Chef and and felt, you know what, if, I, if I'm going to put this out there, I want it to be something that people feel is a part of me and, and a part of my story. So I hope people have a chance to check that out. So by using those sauces in my own cooking, I can appear to be a better cook than I am. You can appear to be a top chef. (laughs) You can cook like a top chef if you buy these sauces. (laughs) Got it. That's good to know. So what what have you been up to during these pandemic months? Uh, Obviously, you haven't been, you know, in the kitchen, at least uh, at the restaurant. But what have you been doing? I have been actually, um, so a lot of my day work prior to COVID was, um, you know, very event focused and, um, people facing. And so now that I can't do that, I've sort of evolved the model into virtual cooking webinars and cooking experiences. Um, I started a Patreon page where people can interact with me and get recipes directly from me. Um, and then, yeah, the, vid- the the cooking classes have been so much fun too. And I've been tying those to some charitable uh, organizations um, to donate and give back where I can. And then I created a, I just kind of randomly created a merch line, which actually started because of quarantine. Um, Initially, it was just for friends and family to wear during the show to support. And then COVID happened. And I was like, you know what, maybe I should just put this online and see what happens. And it, it ended up doing really well. And so I created a pride hat that has like a little rainbow on the side and $5 um, of each purchase goes towards supporting the Trevor project. So you don't uh, currently have a restaurant. Do you hope to open one? And what kind of food would it serve if you did? Um, I currently don't have a restaurant, um, but you know, if it, I'm never, I never say never. <laughs> um, I am very much open to the possibilities. I think it's more of a matter of where and when, and having you know the right timing for that. Um, and if it did happen, I would love to do kind of what I did on on the restaurant 
pitch, Restaurant Wars pitch episode where um, we had to pitch to a restaurant tour what the concept of our dream restaurant would have been. And so mine would be a modern Californian restaurant with bridging in a lot of those Asian flavors, similar to the style that you saw me cook in the, in the finale. Well, I hope that you do launch that restaurant so I can go and eat there. <laughs> well, let's, let's do a few rapid fire questions here to, to cap things off. What is your favorite dish to cook? Seafood. <laughs> Any kind of seafood. Um, I love, I love just like pan searing fish <laughs> and just, and then like making a salad. It's like the simplest thing, but I get very happy just searing off a perfectly crispy piece of fish. And what is your favorite dish to eat? Hamburgers. I love a good cheeseburger. <laughs> in and out or? In, yeah. In and out style, like American cheese. Um, sometimes I like bacon, caramelized onions barbecue sauce and I kind of go bigger with it, but in and out it has my heart for sure. Good, uh, good California person there. I ate there a lot during my UCI years. <laughs> <laughs> I was always at in and out <laughs> down the street. Um, okay. What is your opinion on sourdough bread baking? Oh, I love it. I'm obsessed. I'm, and I, I, I feel like I, I was doing that before the trend got you know, popular. Um, but I love it so much. I think there it's, there's a whole science behind it and it's very challenging and difficult, but I think that's why I like it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And what is your favorite spot on the UCI campus? Oh, wow. It's been ages. Probably the in and out <laughs> Honestly, like I really spent a lot of time there. Um, or the Lee sandwiches. I don't even know if that's still there anymore. Um, it's been a while since I've been back to campus. I remember spending a lot of time at the Panda Express too it, on campus. <laughs> All right. And this is a, a bit bigger of a rapid fire question, but what are your top three tips for college students who are cooking in their you know, apartments or dorms? My whole, I always tell people, don't be afraid to explore a new recipe or a new ingredient that you've never seen. Like see it at the grocery store, buy it, give it a try. Um, also, don't be afraid to make mistakes. I think oftentimes, you know, recipes are guidelines and we need to make mistakes in order to be stronger chefs and stronger home cooks. Um, you know, none of us on Top Chef would be where we are unless we made a million mistakes in our career <laughs> to learn better from. Um, and then have fun. You know, I think, again, recipes are guidelines and like let it, yeah, if you want more spice, add more spice. Like you don't have to follow the recipe by the book. Um, go with go with what your mouth is telling you it needs. So remember to taste your food, and then yeah, kind of dissect it from there about how to make it better. I wanted to ask you one more thing for young people today who might look up to you as an Asian American queer woman who has achieved this tremendous success. What would you want to tell them? What would you want to share with them? I would tell them to believe in themselves. I think a lot of times it's easy to second guess. It's easy to doubt yourself. And, and even just like find, like find your voice, find your strength because it's there in you. Um, it's just you got to dig for it and you got to take risks. And you need to, if you're scared, if something scares you, like 
go for it and dig deep and, and lean into that fear because I guarantee you, you will become a stronger person on the other side once you take that leap. But find your inner strength and that's what's gonna carry you through the rest of everything else. Well, Melissa, thank you for joining me today on the UCI podcast. Thank you so much for having me. The UCI podcast is a production of Strategic Communications and Public Affairs at the University of California, Irvine.